Chapter 19. So where exactly are we going? Marco asked. We're going to wherever this valley is. The valley the elements showed me. I said. Should we be singing that Valdari, Valdara, Valdari, Valdara, ha 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 song? Marco asked. I mean, we are a-wandering. Marco, you should never be singing anything, Rachel said. I've heard you sing. We were a strange little parade. After an hour, we had reached the lower foothills of the mountain. And for the last two hours, we've been climbing up those hills. Up and up. Jake, Rachel, Cassie, and Marco were all in their own human bodies. They were walking single file with the two hork behind. Axe was way out in front, scouting ahead. He was far faster than any of the humans, and faster even than the hork And Axe would be able to handle it if he happened to bump into some enemy hork I flew cover. I did a slow circle that carried me all the way out to where Axe was, then all around the area. That part was hard, because there was a steady headwind rolling down from the mountains. On the back side of the circle, I would drift around till I could see the first edge of the pursuing taxons. Between Axe and me, we figured we wouldn't be surprised by anything leaping out at us. But the more we climbed, the higher up the foothill paths we went, the more worried I became. What was the point of leading Jarahami and Ket Halpak to some secluded valley if we brought a whole Yurk army with us? Did the Elemis have some clever plan? Probably not. The Elemis seemed to think he had to do the absolute minimum. He didn't mind sticking his little finger into the time stream, but he didn't exactly jump in all the way. I had the feeling we were on our own. I drifted above my friends in time to hear Margot complain. I'm just saying, hey, is there some reason the Elemis can't just transport us wherever we're going? This hill climbing is killing my legs. Up and up and up. Are you going to whine the whole way? Rachel asked. Yes, Marco confirmed. That's the plan. Whine the whole way. I think it's nice, Cassie said. I mean, we're out in nature, breathing fresh air. No noise or distractions. No TV or stereo blaring. No cars. Just nature. Trees and animals. Yeah, I guess you're right, Cassie. Marco said. What could be more relaxing than going on a hike with a couple of fugitive space goblins while being hunted by giant worms and probably Visser 3 himself, and all the time knowing we're following the plan of an all-powerful galactic pain in the butt who gets us to do all his dirty work? Cassie grinned. Yeah, but while we're running from the giant worms, we're breathing nice, fresh mountain air. Come on, Marco. You could use the exercise. She got up behind Marco and started to push him up the hill. Just keep telling yourself. We're having fun with nature. We're having fun with nature. How about this? I'm hungry, Marco said, just as I glided out of hearing range. He was hungry. I was hungry. Everyone was hungry. Even the hork Because we couldn't let them strip bark. That would have made it even easier for the yurks to follow us. Then I saw breakfast even though it was more like lunchtime. A mouse, sitting right out in the open. It was digging seeds out of a fallen pine cone. I hesitated only for a moment. Then down I went. 
It was a perfect strike. I felt great. The hawk part of my mind has a pretty simple outlook on life. When it eats, it's happy. And there is a very satisfying sensation that comes from doing a job well, even when the job is hunting mice. I was just back above the trees when I saw the disaster looming, and heard that characteristic sound. Helicopters! I yelled, but the others were all too far away to hear me. I cursed myself. Idiot! Idiot! While you were hunting, the Yorks brought in helicopters. There were three of them, spread out over a mile or so, and they were coming up fast. I flew, but the wind was coming down off the mountains against me, and I could barely make progress. If those choppers flew over my friends, they'd spot them in an instant. They'd see four humans, two big orc and an andalite, and then everything would be over. The helicopters were getting near. I used every flying trick I knew to get speed. I raced forward every time the breeze slackened. I dropped down below the trees to avoid the stronger gusts. And slowly, I advanced. Jake! Rachel! If you can hear me, get off the trail and morph! They couldn't answer, of course, because they weren't in morph. I had no way of knowing if they'd heard me. Jake! Rachel! Cassie! Marco! Helicopter's coming! And just then, the first helicopter swept over me, roaring and ripping up the air. It was like being caught in a tornado. The rotor wash grabbed me and threw me sideways through the air. I hit a branch. Snap! I felt a jolt of pain. I flapped my wings, but only my right wing worked. Then it hit me. The snap I'd heard had been my own bone. I fell through the branches. Whap, whap, whap! I hit the ground and lay there, fluttering weakly, helpless. Helpless as only a flightless bird can be helpless. Panic caught me up and carried me along. No! No! My friends needed me! No! I couldn't just lie there on the leaves! No! And then I saw the end coming for me. Not a bobcat. Not a taxon or horkbajir or a yurk of any kind. Just a humble, ordinary, everyday raccoon. Chapter 20 The raccoon watched me from masked black eyes. I flared my one good wing and snapped with my beak, but the raccoon was too smart and too experienced to fall for my tricks. It knew I was hopeless. A second helicopter passed overhead, indifferent to the plight of a crippled hawk. The raccoon grabbed me by my broken wing and began to drag me. I was on my back, being dragged by an animal not much bigger than a large tabby cat. I snapped again and again, but I couldn't reach the raccoon with my beak. I couldn't turn well enough to bring my talons to bear, and the raccoon knew it. I heard the gurgling sound of water rushing over stones. Horror filled me. The fear was so terrible I almost fainted. You see, I knew what was coming next. People say raccoons wash their food. Actually, that's not true. Raccoons do sometimes run water over their food, but it's not about cleanliness. Raccoons are careful eaters. With their sensitive paws, they dig through the meat, feeling for anything they don't want. 
The water rushing over their paws helps them feel. The raccoon was going to eat me, and it didn't really care if I was still alive. No, no, no! I screamed to a deaf forest. I felt ice-cold water flow through my feathers, and I felt the busy fingers of the raccoon. No! No! You must be prepared to exchange for you. Would you like to know now? The Alamist! Now! Now! Yes! Now would be a really good time! I screamed. It is done! What's done? Nothing is done, you lunatic! I'm still a bird! Of course! Help me! The raccoon was literally looking down at me, like you might look at a snake. He was deciding where to bite first. The power. Use it. I was too insane with terror to figure out what he was saying at first. Then it dawned on me. What? What? That's my reward? That's all? You're giving me back my morphing power? It's what you wanted! I wanted to be human again! I screamed. You liar! You cheat! I want to be human! But the Elemis said nothing more. And my problem right then was the raccoon. His tiny, razor-sharp teeth were descending toward me. So with my last ounce of self-control, ignoring the searing pain in my wing, I turned just enough to grab one of its hind legs with my weakened talon. Focus, Tobias, I told myself. Focus or get eaten. I focused. I concentrated with all my will. And to my utter amazement, I saw the raccoon's eyes cloud over. I felt his grip weaken. And like a miracle, I felt myself begin to acquire the raccoon. I felt it become a part of me. I had morphed only two animals. A cat and a red-tailed hawk. I had never escaped the red-tailed morph. I didn't have much experience morphing. Not like the others. And as I concentrated on the raccoon DNA inside me, I felt my beak begin to soften. My talons began to fatten, and my wings, my glorious wings, began to shrink. The raccoon, I mean, the real raccoon, recoiled in surprise. He stepped back and stared as I morphed into him. It wasn't much of a change of size. Raccoons aren't much larger than hawks. But everything else was different. My eyes were growing dim, and suddenly I could smell as well as I could hear. Feathers were melting into gray and black fur. I was morphing. I was morphing! The real raccoon had had enough. He was a smart, wily old scrapper, and he knew better than to hang around in a place where birds turn into raccoons. He waddled away. I was safe. For now. Safe in becoming something I had never been before. The sharp edge of terror started to recede, and I could almost enjoy what was happening. I was morphing! I had the power again. I wouldn't have to sit on the bench while the others went into danger. I was back. But not human. It's what you wanted. That's what the Elemis said. But he was a liar. He was a cheat. He had tricked me. I wanted to be human. I wanted to be human again, with my own hands and feet and eyes and mouth. No time for that now, I told myself. Get to the others. Hurry. I took off at a run, 
amazing. It was amazing to be running, to be down at ground level with things rushing past. The ground was so close below me. It was scary, in a way. I kept thinking, pull up, pull up. In my guts, I felt this need for altitude. It's dangerous, flying too close to the ground. And no matter how I tried to hurry, the raccoon body was not built for speed. It lumbered along. It seemed to need to stop constantly to sniff at this or that. It wasn't that I couldn't control the body. I could. That part had been fairly easy. I mean, the instincts of the raccoon, the urgent need for food, the fear of predators, all that was normal to me. I just couldn't get the stubby legs to move fast enough. My friends were half a mile away. I never reached them in time to help. I stopped. I was panting heavily. The raccoon heart was racing. What could I do? What could I do? I'd ended up in a useless morph. I craned my raccoon head upward. I couldn't see very well, but I knew the sky was up there. I could see a faded sort of blue through the trees. Wait. Was it possible? Could I remorph back into my own body? My red-tailed body? DNA isn't affected by injuries. If I morphed back to Redtail, I wouldn't have the broken wing. Would I? The others had done it. They had morphed out of injured bodies. Then, when they remorphed, the bodies were whole again. I had to try. It was so stupid. I'd been left out of so many missions because I couldn't morph. Now I could morph, and I was totally useless. I focused. I closed my weak raccoon eyes and focused on a different body. A body with feathers and wings. And slowly, I became myself again. Chapter 21 I flew. I'd only been without my wings for a few minutes, but still, I felt weirded out. I mean, I know the others are used to being in different bodies, but I'm not. I peered ahead with my hawk sight. I saw no helicopters. I did see a few shaken treetops. Large beasts were moving beneath those trees. Taxons and Horgbashir. I flew on and soon saw the tail end of the Yurk search army. Human controllers, the human bodies wearing out, staggered up the hill. Ahead of them, Horgbashir warriors. They were stronger and faster than the humans. Their sergeants had to keep holding them back so they wouldn't leave their human controllers behind. And out in front of them all, the Taxon trackers continued their search. I flew hard and fast. And then, at last, I saw the helicopters. They were low to the ground. They were totally spread out in a line abreast. And unless I was totally mistaken, they were past where my friends would be. I felt a chill of fear. I knew what they were going to do. This time, it wasn't the elements telling me what would happen. It was my own predator's instinct. I knew my friends were being hunted. And I knew how the Yorks would do it. The helicopters were a mile away, maybe a little more, so I heard nothing of them. But as I watched, I saw the sudden red spear that shot down to the ground. Again and again and again, the helicopters fired their blazing dracon beams down at the dry trees and even drier underbrush. They were starting a forest fire. Within minutes, a wall of smoke was advancing through the trees. The wall of smoke had to be a mile long and to end. It would block Jake and Rachel and the others. It would stop them and turn them back. 
back toward the waiting taxons and hork warriors. As I watched, a flutter of pale brown, some bird escaping the flames. A stab of red! The bird flamed and burned in midair! Had it been one of my friends in Morph? What am I supposed to do? I yelled at the Elemist. This is impossible! I can't stop those helicopters! Are you just going to stand by now and do nothing? There was no answer. I was not surprised. As Axe had said, the Elemist was playing his own games. He didn't care if I thought it was fair. I dropped down, down below the treetop level to avoid getting Dracon to myself. The wind wasn't as strong down in the trees, but I had the worst problem of trying to dodge branches. And then, just a glimpse below me, a pale blue deer with the scorpion's tail. Axe! Axe, it's me, Tobias! Hello, Tobias, Axe said as calmly as if nothing were happening. Where is everyone? They are nearby. We seem to be in a trap. No kidding, I said. Then, aiming my thought speak to all my friends, I said, Everyone, keep your heads down. Don't try and fly or anything. The Yorks are shooting anything that rises above the trees. I came to rest on a rotting log. I was so exhausted I almost missed my landing and crashed. A huge brown bear about the size of a minivan came lumbering up. Rachel, I really hope that's you, because I've had all the close calls I can stand for one day. It's me, Tobias. Chill. Take a rest. We figure we have maybe five minutes before this whole thing closes on us. The two orc appeared, accompanied by Jake and his tiger morph. Cassie and Marco came running from the direction of the helicopters. Cassie's thick gray fur was singed. I could smell the reek of burned hair. More helicopters coming up to join those three. Marco reported. Oh, hi Tobias. There you are. I figured you'd flown off somewhere safe. I decided not to take offense. I was just too tired to care what Marco said. Jake, there's no way around that wall of fire. Cassie said breathlessly. No, Yurks! Jarahami said fearfully. Jarahami and Katalpak, free! We'll have to fight, Rachel said. We go straight at those taxons, blow past them, catch the hork by surprise, no problem. We can... She stopped. Even she didn't believe what she was saying. They won't stop till Jarrah and Ket are dead, Jake said flatly. The Yurks are not going to give up. They are flat out never going to allow two hork to escape. I guess it would set a bad example, Marco said. But he wasn't making a joke. If two get away, who knows? Maybe others will try. The Yurks can't allow that. They need the hork to be without hope. They need them to be convinced there's no way out. Marco is right, Cassie said. Look at the risk the Yurks are taking. I mean, jeez, they've started a forest fire. They have taxons and hork all over this forest. They've gone nuts. Jarahami and Katalpak, free! Jarahami said again. It was as if he was trying to convince himself. Wait a minute, I said. Wait a minute. What you said, Jake. What you said. They won't give up till Jera and Ket are dead. Yeah, so? Jake asked. Then I guess he realized what I was thinking. Hey, Rachel has already morphed Jera. 
Hey, are you thinking what I'm thinking? Yeah, I said. At least I think I am. When I was flying, I saw a deep ravine. We should still be able to reach it. It should be perfect. But we'll need Marco and Gorilla Morph. We will? You lost me there, dude. Jake said. But okay, if you say so, Tobias. Marco and Gorilla Morph, what else? And we need someone to acquire and morph Ket, I said. I'll do it. Jake said without hesitation. No, Jake, not this time, I said. I'll do it. No one said anything for a good 30 seconds. They just stared. They stared with wolf eyes and bear eyes and tiger eyes and all four andalite eyes. They were trying to decide if I was crazy. You will? Rachel asked. You will? Yeah, I will. I'll morph Ket. I'll morph a hork Then Rachel clicked. The Elemist? That's what he did for you? I thought he was going to make you human again. There was an edge of anger in her tone. Of outrage. Elemists! Axe practically spit the word. Never trust them. Oh no. Cassie whispered. That's it? He gave you back the power to morph? But not... No, I said as evenly as I could. Looks like I'm a full member of the team again. I can morph, but I guess... I mean, it looks like I'll still be a hawk. I'll be keeping my wings. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs auditory experience. I'm sorry if this section there's some like weird background noise. It's still very hot this week, and I refuse to turn off my fans. Uh, but speaking of fans, actually got a lot of stuff this week, which is exciting. Thank you, uh, everyone who wrote in and all of that, uh, which I will be addressing just in a sec. But uh, if you also want to, you know, send me a comment or a suggestion or a question or you know just to say hi. You can do that at audiomorphscast at gmail.com or audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. Uh, as well as, I guess I have a comment section on my uh, website, theapocalypse.com. That's the apocalypse, like apocalypse, but with a D in the middle. Be sure to check that out because I pay for it. I get, I'm not very fiscally responsible. Uh, but also, if you use iTunes or Apple Podcasts, I guess it is now, um, be sure to leave a rating and review. Like, these two new ones I got, always exciting to get new reviews. Uh, this one from Spaceless that says, uh, thanks. So excited to have found your podcast. I hope you're still doing this. Spoilers, I am. It's amazing to listen to them and awesome for my son to hear them for the first time. Well, thank you so much. I'm glad you enjoy them, and I will try to curse less in these after-show notes. Uh, I also got one from Nightjar254, which says, Highly recommended. I work in electronics manufacturing and listening to a lot of audiobooks when the job gets repetitive. I was sorely disappointed to find that no audiobooks of Animorphs exist. Uh, In parentheses, I always wanted to read the series as a kid, but my library tragically didn't have it. Then I found Audiomorphs, and I'm so grateful to Daniel. He does a great job narrating it, and I've been enjoying it immensely at work. 
Thank you so much, Nightjar. Uh, I also listen to a lot of podcasts and audiobooks at work, so I know that feeling, and I'm glad that this one is enjoyable for you. And also that you're getting a chance to uh, experience Animorphs, because I honestly think it's a great, great young adult sci-fi series that I unironically love a lot, as you might guess from me making all these audiobooks. Um, also got some emails uh, from... Ember D. Elf, or possibly Ember Delf. I'm assuming it's Ember D. Elf, because that makes more sense to me. But, uh, just, uh, this first one says, Hey man, I just wanted to say I love the ambiance you added in Book 11, especially in the last two episodes. Thank you so much. I'm gonna be honest, I don't remember what that was, but I'm glad I did something that worked for you. Uh, always glad to hear that I'm doing a good job. Thank you so much. Then also, uh, Ember D. Elf was the only one to answer my question from last week. Uh, which was, who is your favorite Animorph? And they responded, uh, My favorite Animorph has always been Tobias. He's probably had the hardest life, but has the most beautiful soul, soul among the group. I love his mysterious silence and smirky jabs. Also, you do a great job with his voice. Thank you for all you do. Thank you so much for writing in and for answering that. Uh, yeah, I actually really enjoy uh, Tobias' books. I think he's probably the most... Uh, introspective of the five and uh, he's just uh, he's really fun to do and once I get used to the voice it's uh, it's real it's I, th I feel like it's one of my better voices it's more consistent than most of them uh, so thank you for writing in Amber D. Elf and uh, yeah just thanks so much no, excellent taste in, in Animorphs I guess although I love all of them uh, very much. They're all great. Uh, okay, so this one, th these end of show notes went a little long, I guess, because I actually had stuff to talk about, so I won't waste any of your time. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. <laughs>